lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, all of you, thank you for joining us. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also uh, like us on MeWe, Gab, and maybe one day someday parlor should it ever return uh, you can also look for clips of the show at youtube.com slash steve dace or rumble.com slash steve dace show and if you want to find out or if you wanted to find out say three months ago all the news about covid19 that they are now currently confirming you could have just bought this book Back in March when it was released, this one right here, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history, or frankly, just have listened to this show for the past year because it's all coming out and it's all getting confirmed right now as we speak. All right, coming up on the show here today, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us from The Family Leader. We'll get his take on why did he get himself so involved in the Elise Stefanik uh, battle over whether to appoint her or our friend Chip Roy to the number three spot uh, for the Republican caucus in Congress. Also, Christy Nome has confirmed for uh, Bob's event this summer. There's probably only one reason a governor of South Dakota is coming to Iowa in the summertime. So I think we all know what that's about. We'll assess where her presidential aspirations are at after what happened on the tranny issue. And, though, we also have some breaking news about the Supreme Court and the pro-life issue. So we'll get into that at the bottom of the hour with our good good friend, Bob Vanderplatz. Next hour, it's our Monday Town Hall, Ask Me Anything. Facebook will get the chance to ask the questions to uh, this week. Our many followers on Facebook, where our page is growing again. We've actually added like a couple of thousand followers on Facebook in the last three weeks, which for us... I mean, we've gone years where Facebook wouldn't let us uh, add You're a couple of thousand. Either. We're not. We've actually documented how years have gone by and Facebook has claimed, despite broadcasting every day, on uh, one of the largest alternative media platforms in the country. We've had like, what, 59 followers or something yep. in, a, in a year. I mean, we've, we've done those shows in the past. So um, I guess if the largest social media platform in the world is going to let our page grow, uh, by golly, we'll just keep letting our Facebook audience take advantage of that, right? Don't you feel like we're probably just being fattened up for ultimate destruction? It does feel a little bit like Soylent Green is people. Uh, I, yes, I, 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 I would imagine we're going to be firing up uh, Bush's come down here momentarily, yes. But while we are, <laughs> are permitted to be on the offensive... We will take full advantage of it with our Ask Me Anything next hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Today in Coronavirus History. No context is warranted for the following video other than it came to us from Nassau County, New York. Unless they're from the same, same household, has to bring their own tennis balls so that you don't touch other people's tennis balls um, with your hands. You can kick their balls, but you can't touch them. 
Sorry. Fast forward to present day, and the CDC now says you can indeed touch other people's balls and even do so without a mask. The pandemic is largely over from a public health policy perspective, thanks to new guidance from the CDC released on Thursday saying vaccinated people can congregate basically anywhere, including indoors, without a mask. Following that announcement, major national corporations like Walmart, Costco, Trader Joe's, and now Target promptly dropped their mask mandate for those who have received the vaccine and will not be relying upon so-called vaccine passports to shop at their stores. So yeah, coronavirus and the state-mandated religion of the mask is largely over. And at least some public health experts are trying to make you forget already the lies and obfuscations they've perpetuated over the last year. We'll start with the big lie of the pandemic, asymptomatic spread. Here's what Dr. Anthony Fauci said last January before COVID was... COVID. In all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. Then on June 10th of last year, he said this. What happened the other day is that a member of the WHO was saying that transmission from an asymptomatic person to an uninfected person was very rare. They walked that back because there's no evidence to indicate that's the case. And over the weekend, he walked back to square one. There are breakthrough infections with vaccinated people. Almost always the people are asymptomatic and the level of virus is so low it makes it extremely unlikely, not impossible, but very, very low likelihood that they're going to transmit it. Then there's CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, who on March 29th of this year said, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script. And I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. Over the weekend, she now suddenly cares about dying with versus dying from COVID. Are you aware of any fully vaccinated individual who has died of COVID-19? We are aware of 223 as of May 10th. So not all of those 223 cases who had COVID actually died of COVID. They may have had mild disease, but died, for example, of a heart attack. And finally, there's White House coronavirus advisor, Dr. Michael Osterholm, who said this back in early February. What I'm here to share with you today is I think the darkest days of the pandemic are yet to come. Since those comments, excess mortality has fallen below pre-pandemic levels in the United States. Daily deaths have dropped between 70 to 90 percent, and new cases every day have dropped between 75 and 85 percent. A new Trafalgar Group poll asked Americans when they think the pandemic will be over. 26.4 percent of respondents say it's over when the CDC says it's over. 25.7 percent of respondents think it's already over. So again, from a public health policy perspective, the pandemic is over. But the cult, oh, the cult has just begun to cult. We'll start in Wisconsin, where a teacher has been placed on leave after she berated one of her students for not wearing a mask. I don't care if you're vaccinated, you little dick. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. There's okay. other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should hear about how everybody talks about you. You're I know a how jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people You're talk a jerk. Okay. And you need to have respect for other people in your life. You're not a big man on campus. Then there's this from Pfizer. We're sharing real kids thanking real heroes, the 12 to 15-year-old COVID-19 vaccine clinical trial volunteers who are helping us get back to a world where kids can go back to doing the things they love. Hashtag science will win. 
CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. Let's just get practical here. Is it safe for that unvaccinated child, even in a mask, to be in a grocery store when people around them could be unmasked and not following the honor system because they're not vaccinated? Those kids should continue to wear a mask in those settings. And then there's the Twitter comments about the CDC's new guidance. My children and I will be wearing masks for the rest of our life if we have to be around people as a safety precaution. CDC recommended or not, I like social distancing and the fact there is now sanitizer everywhere. I ain't taking my mask off till we're done. I care about others. I'm vaccinated and you allow unvaccinated people to infect others. You gave unvaccinated people a privilege they don't deserve. I'm wearing a mask. I'm disappointed. We'll continue wearing a mask outside if any people are in the vicinity at all. We'll not go inside anywhere, period, except home. Common sense, people. Dear CDC, thanks for the update. I am fully vaccinated, but unless you have a way for me to readily identify maskless, unvaccinated idiots or those infected with a variant, I will keep my double masks on. Will I still wear a mask so I don't look like a Republican? Yeah, I ain't about to look like a Republican. Respectfully, I don't want to look like a Republican. I'm going to still wear my mask, though, because I don't want to seem like an anti-vaxxer. Sorry. Keep wearing the mask. We card-carrying epidemiologists with formal doctorate in epidemiology know what we are talking about. Vast majority of 700-plus epidemiologists surveyed says we would keep wearing masks for one year or longer. In other news, the former head of the Pentagon's UFO investigation program says the U.S. military sees UFOs almost every day. And that's what happened while we were away. Still blows me away for 70 years. Vehement denials. You belonged in a loony bin. You were a nutter. And now suddenly for the last three years, and now even on 60 Minutes, the government is adamant that UFOs are a thing. When you and I were kids and we watched Diana eat the mouse on V, um, that would have caused a panic. Yes. In 1985. 2021, nobody cares. They could literally land. People are like, dude, I don't know. Whatever. Whatevs. Pour one out. Aaron's montage brought to you by Patriot Mobile, you know, with corporations meddling in our freedoms more than ever before, canceling free speech. We need to make sure we support companies that support our values and our constitution. If you haven't done so already, you can go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve right now. Patriotmobile.com slash Steve right now. When you switch today and bring your own phone, you can get 50% off your first two months plus a free Patriot starter kit. And while you're there, why not enter to win a free phone and cellular service for life? All the details right there on my special page for special people like you. At patriotmobile.com slash Steve, it has the broadest nationwide coverage out there using the same towers as all the major carriers so you get the same great service without the hidden fees and without them using the money you pay them to try to end your way of life. So again, if you want to take advantage of this, get the discount, the free starter kit, and a chance to win cell service for life with the offer code Steve at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, patriotmobile.com slash Steve or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. Coming up in the overtime today, our new friend, Julie Kelly, over at American Greatness, who was gracious enough to endorse our book, Fauci and Bargain. Um, She has been doing, with the events of January 6th, what we have been doing with COVID. And she's actually done really good work on COVID as well. So maybe she's better at this than us. I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, uh, that's why Julie will be on here so we can mooch off of her. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, 
so we can share her intrepid work. Is that good? I'm with it. Okay, uh, Julie Kelly from American Greatness will be here because we're watching these narratives are now just falling apart and it is marvelous in our eyes. And the January 6th narrative is falling apart as well. She has been on the cutting edge of that, doing yeoman's work. And she'll give us an update coming up later today in the overtime, which we will record right after today's program for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you will be able to watch it after it gets uploaded later today. And then if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you would like to become one, blazetv.com slash dace is where you can go so you do not miss today's overtime with you. Julie Kelly on the January 6th false fake news narrative. Uh, that's also where you get a discounted subscription today at blazetv.com slash days. I want to begin by, um, as we get into what Aaron had in his montage, I, I want to begin by sharing a little bit about my own personal life. So I grew up, I was always a bit on the stocky side, but uh, an okay athlete, more of the kind of guy that was better at sports than athletic. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Like because I'm good at hand-eye coordination, memory, um, with a lot of practice, I could, you know, I got good at anticipating where a ground ball would go, anticipating where the basketball was going to go. So I was, I was more good at sports. But if we did like, you know, an actual like a fitness assessment of who ran the fastest, jumped the highest, I was always really mediocre. Okay, but I so I was I always outplayed my athletic ability just with practice and anticipation and things of that nature. But I played sports year round. I was really, really active. And back in those days, you know, like creatine was just beginning to come in when we were graduating from high school. We didn't have like, you know, strength and conditioning programs and stuff like you have now. We just played sports year round. You know, and then after after practice, if, if you had like two a days, you you know, on the way at the, the practice in the morning, you'd go to Burger King at two for one croissants to fuel up for breakfast or egg McMuffins or something or bacon, egg and cheese biscuits at Mickey D's. Right. And then afterwards, y'all just had that. That's back when Taco Bell had the thirty nine cent or, or forty nine cent, seventy nine cent, ninety nine cent menu is what I think it was. Right. And just load up on some uh, um, burrito Supremes before you voted for that guy for president. Right. And. And nobody, we didn't, you just burn all that stuff off. You know, the calorie count was, you didn't care, right? Okay. Really wasn't until I got into college and started hitting Taco Bell after hitting the party scene that you started caring about what was in that food then, if you know what I'm saying, brother. All right. But that's a topic for another day. Anyway, um, you know, you see, you just develop a bunch of bad habits, but you were really super active. So it didn't matter. You get into college, those those habits continue and now you're not as super active um i did play a lot of intramural basketball uh some people might have thought it was my major but actually super tech mobile was my major you know and 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 it took a lot of time being sedentary in a dorm room mastering that game to be as good at it as i was right um and so what happens when you get more sedentary but you're still eating the same way you did when you played all those sports in high school right that's the freshman 15 happens right for me it became like the freshman 50 and then I get married and then you start feeling, all right, man, I'm married. I'm good to go. I don't have to impress anybody anymore. Before I know it now, I am packing like, uh, you know, I'm over 350 and I'm wearing like a size 5X shirt. Um, I'm wearing like 44 or 46 inseam jeans. Okay. And we start having kids and especially when Amy says, hey, I'm going to have a son. That's when you start realizing, man, I better do something about the, the shape I'm in. 
or this boy is going to be able to whoop my ass at 12 and and then he'll end up being a terrible man as a as a result of not having the right reverential level of fear as he should have for his old man, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I got to do something about this, you know? So after Noah's born, we go through his problem, pregnancy and stuff. And I meet a gentleman who ends up being a really good friend of mine to this day, um, was starting a company on preventative health and science. And um, he wanted to take on the task of making me healthy again. And I needed to lose... In my program, I needed to lose, I'd lost a little bit of weight, just it was amazing what happened when I stopped eating like a box of cereal for breakfast every morning. It was amazing. I lost like 30 pounds just doing that, you know, but I, I still needed to lose like another 150 pounds. So over the next two years, I worked diligently with him and got over 100 pounds lost, right around a little less than 110 and I mean, my fitness level is soaring now. I've got like the resting heart rate of like a 25-year-old runner. I mean, it's just my entire health perspective. I was taking like Nexium and all those sorts of things. I'm not taking any of that stuff anymore. I mean, I just, my whole health perspective changes. We get to the, the second, to the end of the second year of this though. And we get to Christmas time, man. And I'm like, you know, last year I didn't do all the Christmas sweets. I, I, I took a break on Christmas Day, but I, I missed out, you know, and I've come so far and I'm like, I'm, I'm just, man, I, I got to live again, you know? And the good news was I'm one of the few people that's probably lost well over 100 pounds the old fashioned way. The bad news was I never went back and lost the other 40 some odd pounds I needed to lose. And so what's happened is over the course of the last 10 years, I have fluctuated in this range. Now we're getting into the season where I'll be a lot more active and outdoors and everything again. I'll take another 20, 25 of those 40 some odd pounds I needed to lose off. We'll get into the fall. We get into pumpkin spice season and, and chocolate mint season and all that other stuff. And winter, I'll put that weight back on and I go back and forth. And I've done this for about 10 years. Now, did I make immense improvements in my health? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Am I in a lot better shape? Yeah, no question. Am I as healthy as I probably need to be? No, I needed to lose those other 40 some odd pounds. Why do I bring this up? Because I want to make sure that we don't make the same mistake with COVID, Stan, that I made with my health. We are winning. We have all the momentum now. All of it. I told you in January when the CDC came out with that chart, remember I said this, I put my marker down. And I said, that will be a defining moment. When they came out with that ridiculous chart about who could go to school and where it was safe and to be in person and everything else, that was so indefensible, that would anger so many people, I said, that this would change the momentum of this. And that, and that turned out to be true. It did. It, that's been a line in the sand. If you go back to where the trend lines have been in terms of public perception and political leverage since the CDC released that school chart in January, all of it has been, the trend line has all been on our side. And it's ramping up now. I mean, Aaron sent me a text over the weekend looking at all the headlines that just broke over the weekend. And he's like, are they just going to like gaslight us like this entire year just never happened? Looks like they're kind of starting to head that way to some extent. And understand this about the spirit of the age. Whatever it offers you, you already had. 
All of you listening to me, the amount of emails I get every day now, hey, I'm thinking of running for this office. Can you help me with this? Or I'm helping somebody running for this office. You have any pointers on this? Remember this. This is a cardinal rule, what I'm about to repeat. Whatever the system offers you, you already had. So the fact that you're now being offered to take your mask off meant that you already won that argument. It just wanted it just wanted to get out ahead of it before you figured out, and there's 40 people sitting here in a Walmart not wearing a mask anymore. Why the hell am I wearing one too? And then another 40 people do it, another 40 people do it. And then you realize you're the ones that ended the mask mandates, right? Yes. Yeah, see, it wanted to get out in front of that before you realized you were the ones ending this. So it made you an offer you couldn't refuse because you already had it. Whatever it offers you, you already have. That's actually where the negotiating starts. When the spirit of the age finally says, all right, I'm cornered. I got to give something up. Whatever it offers you is where the negotiating begins. Not where it ends, where it begins. Alabama dominated Ohio State in the national championship game the entire way last January. Had a comfortable lead going into the fourth quarter. But if Nick Saban had said, all right, guys, pour one out, we're done. Walk off. And Ohio State just played against themselves for the entire fourth quarter. Were they going to come back and win? Yeah. They needed to finish the game. For the first time in a year, I'm looking forward to going back to one of my favorite places, Costco, again. In fact, I haven't gone for several months until last week. Those little things where it makes you feel like, Aaron said before the show, getting to go back there without a mask and get my favorite potato salad, it felt like normal again. Yes, it's getting normaler. But if we, if we are satisfied with this, just like I was satisfied with losing 105, 106 pounds as, I lose, as opposed to losing 150 and now I've carried that extra 40-some-odd pounds with me. Some, some times of the year, it's the 40, full 40-some-odd. 40 Other times of the year, it's 20-some-odd, 30-some-odd. But I've carried some of that with me from not finishing the job for the last 10 years. Finish the job. They're scared. They see the anger at the school board meetings are metastasizing. They see the uprisings are metastasizing. They see people who are flaunting, I'm not wearing a mask anymore. The nasty headlines of throwing kids off of planes for not wearing masks. The center could not hold. And this all happened with, frankly, ADF and a lot of our outstanding all-star conservative legal organizations still on the sidelines. We hadn't even challenged them legally full bore yet. This was just all public perception. A lot of your legislatures are breaking for the session or are going out of session for the year already. So this wasn't a massive legislative pushback or a whole bunch of lawsuits that were going to kick the legs out from underneath their table. Public perception. We were doing this. We were no longer consenting to be governed like this celebrate the win go back to the places you haven't wanted to go to anymore without the useless Chinese face diaper I'm not saying that Alabama was way ahead of Ohio State in the national championship game when they scored another touchdown did they celebrate it? oh yeah celebrate all touchdowns but did they walk off the field as if the game was over? no no 
the spirit of the age is going to demand something to walk away from. Some new line of tyranny, despotism, that is your new normal that it will then incrementally come back and build on with something else from there later. Do not grant it. Give no quarter. None. Do not be satisfied with this. The fact they have cited no specific science on why the mass can go away, which means what? There was never any specific science about why they were ever assigned in the first place. It's been flat earth voodoo, junk science from the beginning. Just because Hitler blew his brains out in the bunker doesn't mean the war's over. You know when it's over? When they show up on their knees and sign an unconditional surrender. That's when it's over. They're already attempting to negotiate the terms. Give us your children instead. Let us vaccinate your children forcibly instead for a virus with an experimental substance that is still at least two years away from FDA approval that they are either neither victims of by and large nor vectors of that morbidly obese 900 pound teacher accosting that student should never be allowed in a public building, let alone at school ever again. Give them nothing. We'll mask the children in school. We've known for well over a year they're the least vulnerable of them all. So why are they demanding the children as the, as the final surrender terms? Because it's the children that they've wanted all along. That's why they took over the schools. It's your children they've wanted all along. Don't you dare. Don't you dare, mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, aunt and uncle, don't you dare walk away from the fight now that it appears you're winning and winning big and give them your children. Look at the mask cult they produced this year with 20, 30 years of indoctrination. Look at the fear cult they produced. Hand them your children now, and those same children will come back in future years and be the end of us. Don't you dare do it. Celebrate going back to Costco and Walmart again. Going back to the movies again. I'm going to. I'd urge you to. You made it happen. Yeah, a handful of governors did something. A handful of legislators, legislatures did something, but by and large, we did it. Celebrate. We brought them to their knees. But it's not over. Not yet. There is time on the clock. On the way out, they're trying to get a hold of your kids. Don't let them have our children. No, you don't get them. I will criminalize mask wearing before I give you my kid. And maybe we should do that anyway. Don't make the mistake I made with my health 10 years ago. I probably added 20 to 30 years on my life. 
but I could have done better. I didn't finish the task. And now you look at a guy that doesn't have three chins, but it has a half extra one. And a guy that was supposed to be wearing th size 34, 36 jeans and wears size 38, 36 jeans now. Is that great progress? Yeah. Is that something to celebrate? It absolutely was. Is that, though, what I set out to do? It is not. No, it is not. Do not let the spirit of the age, which is trying to figure out how the hell to get out of this as fast as possible. Okay, okay, just give us your kids and, we're, and we'll, we'll call the whole thing off. Hell no. You will not have our kids. In fact, the Great Reset works both ways, folks. Yep. What a great opportunity. How many of you are now more interested in what's gone on in your school boards than you ever have been in the past? What's gone on in your city councils and state legislatures and departments of health and bureaucracies than you ever have been in the past? We get to do, we could do a great reset too. We're going to reset a few things. In fact, while we're here taking the masks off our kids, let's look at your curriculum. What are you teaching the kids? Let's look at your standards while you're here. In fact, while we're here, let's just go ahead and throw the whole thing open while you're here. It's time to flatten their curve. That's exactly right. Finish it. Do not walk away now. The enemy is in retreat. Do you know what you do to an enemy in retreat? You rout them. And you keep amassing casualties until they say, we quit. Just make it stop. Boot to the throat harder. chaos that we live in today. Every law-abiding citizen must know how to defend your family before, during, and after a self-defense incident. That's why Patriot Academy's Constitution Defense Course, which is hosted by Front Sight Firearms Training Institute just outside of Vegas, out there in Nevada, they offer a unique combination of intellectual and physical training that you just can't find anywhere else. This is the course that our colleague Daniel Horowitz has been talking about on his podcast. He's led uh, several classes out there over the last year as well. Uh, you get 16 hours of firearm training on the range and then eight hours of intellectual training on the Constitution in the classroom. Uh, this group trains about 50,000 people every year at their 500 plus acre complex out there just outside of Vegas. So if you want to take part in this, it is family friendly. Bring the whole family if you want. Uh, they've got two more of these options left until they break for summer because it tends to get a little warm out there. Uh, May 30th and June 6th are the next two courses that you've got a chance to take advantage of. May 30th and June 6th, and you register today, you'll get 99er, 90% off the training. Now, your travel logistics, you got to take care of that, okay? But 90% off the training today if you go to constitutioncoach.com. Uh, that's uh, that's Rick Green, who works with David Barton at Wall Builders. These are good folks. Constitutioncoach.com and register today for that discount. Again, constitutioncoach.com. Let's bring in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? Doing really well. How are you? Hold on. We got his mic on. There we go. Do it again. I said I'm doing really well. Good. Hey, we have some breaking news um, we need to address with you. Um, and then we'll get to the other two topics you that you and I had planned. But um, the Supreme Court today has announced that it is going to hear uh, a challenge to Mississippi's abortion law. 
It's good news for and, us. And I, I, I kind of think it is too. Mississippi, for those that don't know, has essentially banned every abortion in the state after, what is it, 15 weeks, I believe it is? Some people say it's even weeks? ahead of that, but okay. it would be about 15 weeks. All right. So if here, here's why I'm thinking. Now, now, this is the first, how many years have you said here and listened to me rail? Now, we have changed our strategy the last few years, and frankly, you've been a part of that, so thank you. But how many years have I sat here and railed and railed about our pro-life legislation that was really abortion regulation legislation Mm -hmm. and would do nothing to actually challenge Roe on the merits? Well, this will be the first challenge to Roe's supremacy that the U.S. Supreme Court has heard since, get this, 1992. That was Casey v. Pennsylvania. That was the last time a pro-lifer spoke A pro-life politician spoke at a Democratic convention. Pennsylvania Governor Bill Casey spoke that year at the Bill Clinton nominating convention, got booed off the stage, Mm. okay, because this was his his legislation. 1992 was the last time we have had a piece of legislation before the U.S. Supreme Court, before Aaron, our producer, was born, when you and I were graduating from high school. That was the last time. And and this and so the fact that they're taking this on, you look at the makeup of the court, you have Alito and Thomas there, and you have three Trump appointees that are all Federalist Society people. If they take this on with that court and cannot get five justices, now there's a there's a sinister small part of me that would actually kind of like for this to happen because it would blow up the entire canard of uh, just let the justices handle everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe these FedSoc, even even Kavanaugh, I don't believe they're this dumb. That if they, were, if they didn't have the votes, they wouldn't have taken it. To me, this is a clear sign that they have at least five votes to uphold that Mississippi law and essentially ro- roll Roe ro- versus Wade back at least... 50%, if not more. But what's your read on Well, it? I think it's excellent news. As a matter of fact, uh, I've got a conference call as soon as I get done here with a bunch of pro-lifers from across the country just on the SCOTUS ruling right now. So Aaron wasn't born. You guys were graduating from high school. I was a high school basketball coach at this time uh, in 1992. I'm excited about this. I think it's going to attack uh, Roe v. Wade right at the premise. matter of fact, they said, you know, if we – if it, it was ever determined that is a person, they said the whole case collapses. Mm-hmm. Well, Mississippi law would say this is a person. And so I'm I'm thinking, uh, Steve, you're right. The court looks different today. Uh, you have the Trump appointees. Uh, I think it was in the third debate in 2016 where Trump said, I will nominate pro-life justices. He said, uh, that will, no, he said, I'm going to nominate justices that will overturn Roe v. Wade. Wade. Yeah. And, and uphold the Constitution. Um, matter of fact, and then Hillary Clinton made her comment about, I'm going to appoint justices that understand the way society works, mm-hmm. uh, basically. So I think it's a, it's a very good sign. I agree with you. I think they have five votes, so they won't take it. And I think the five votes are going to be in the pro-life direction. If, I pray to God that's the case. If, if they took this and don't have five votes— that's I mean, a problem. I mean, you and I have been have well. You and I have partnered together on on one of the very few successful attempts to uh, do something about judicial supremacy. But this, the whole notion of vote Republican for better judges, the 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 FedSoc legal society, that entire industry and everything, 
it blows that all up to smithereens, does it not? Well, it, it definitely does. Uh, Which but is it, why you and I both think they aren't going to do that. Right. And I think what it does, if I'm President Trump, I'm looking at this, this is legacy stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I reshaped the court and all of a sudden they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's a pretty big deal. Uh, also, in January 6th starts becoming a more distant, distant memory. And when you start getting justices, if they make decisions like this, which I hope they do. That's a good segue to the next topic we should discuss. Sure. So, so I know why I got involved, because I happen to know her challenger very, very well. He's one of my best friends in this business, and that's Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. So I, and, and I do a national show. I mean, you guys are branching out more nationally with the family leader, but I've never really seen you get involved in any form of congressional legislative fight or anything of that nature. So, I, I mean, I got a personal stake because it's, it, it, he could be my friend if I thought he sucked. Like, he was my friend. I disagreed with him about January 6th. I'm not changing my mind for Chip Roy, okay? Mm -hmm. But because I know him, that I, I knew he would be good at this. And a dramatic upgrade over Elise Stefanik, who agrees with me on nothing. I mean, the Club for Growth scorecard, uh, Ilan Omar has a higher score than I she does. I saw that, 38 okay? to 35. I mean, she has a 34% uh, conservative review liberty score. I don't even know why Elise Stefanik's a Republican, frankly. She has no qualifications other than slobbering over Trump on TV. I mean, I don't, I don't she's done nothing else. So, I mean, I know why I, I, I get involved in this stuff all the time. Why did you choose? To, to step out and get involved in supporting Chip here. Why did you think Elise Stefanik was a unique moment that needed to be addressed? Well, I think a couple things. One is, you're right. Uh, the family leader is growing a lot more into a national voice. Uh, we're a state-based organization out of Iowa, but we have an imprint in 12 and then by extension to, to 30 other states and, or close, uh, excuse me, 40 other states. And we band together a lot of times as state leaders to say, we're going to take a stand on this national issue. What I saw is just weak leadership uh, on a lot of different levels. One is, I think, if, you, if we want to take back what should be a great 2022 for conservatives, especially pro-life conservatives, it's right there for us. You take a look at the Biden record with soaring energy costs, inflation, all there, then you think, this should be a win for us. If we're gonna go back and relitigate, was the election stolen or not? Did did Trump incite January 6th or not? I don't think we want that to be the issue. I think we want Biden and his leadership and policies to be the issue. Mm -hmm. So the first part was with McCarthy and with Scalise making this big thing about how they're eliminating Liz Cheney. I don't care about Liz Cheney at all. But if you're just gonna give her a bigger platform, now I start caring if that's what we're gonna start relitigating. Meaning just turn her into the new Jeff Flake, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. But not only that, but they were going to elevate a non-conservative that you just mentioned, Elise Stefani. She's not even a moderate. This is this woman is a liberal. And she, she's pro, she wouldn't, guys, just to, she didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts. Like, are you even allowed into the Republican Party without, that's like the automatic, right? Yeah. I have to be willing to vote for every tax cut imaginable. She wouldn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts. So you don't vote for the Trump tax cuts. Uh, you want to uphold Obamacare. You're for amnesty. You don't want to give funding to the wall. You're promoting the Equality Act. She actually Act. voted for Trump to not be able to leave the Paris climate deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and, then you want, and then you're promoting the Equality Act. Which is the thinking, tranny, that's the tranny bill. What the yeah. heck are we doing? This is nothing conservative at all. And if you're only based basis is while Trump endorsed her, and I really believe Trump endorsed her because he saw her as getting rid of uh, Liz Cheney. Again, I'm fine with that. 
But if there's somebody else that rises up to the challenge, in this case, Chip Roy, who happens to be one of us, who happens to have conservative principles, ideology, philosophy, and a voting record, why in the heck won't you get behind Chip Roy versus getting behind somebody else? The party can be a big tent party, but as you, as I, you and I know, headship matters. Well, invariably, you're not alone in that assessment because with one day to campaign, no media or press whatsoever uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, like a cable news platform or anything like that. Um, and with the backing of, of Donald Trump uh, or without the backing of Donald Trump, uh, Chip still got almost 50 votes um, with just one day to campaign and, and like no other advantages that that was strictly the result of word getting out to the grassroots about what this woman's actual record was. And I think the other part of that, Steve, not only did he get 50 votes or um, clo- close to 50, it was I think it was 46. 46 or 47? Yeah. Okay. 46 votes. But they also took the vote on Friday because I believe leadership knew. If this if, goes a couple more yeah, days, we're going to take on water. If they postpone yep. this past the weekend, also we take the vote on Monday or Tuesday, yep. Chip Roy is going to be the number three in the U.S. House, not Elise Stefanik. Yeah. That's what we wanted to have happened. So people are upset with McCarthy. People are upset with Scalise. I get that. Quite frankly, they're just willing vessels, and they show the emperor has no clothes. The bigger issue to me is, are we just going to buy into a persona, or are we going to buy into principles? The reason we all cheered on President Trump, and even though some of us or all of us were skeptical initially when he became president, were the good things he did. You know, he he enforced the border. He was building the wall. You just talked a few Boom. minutes ago that his legacy might be he yeah. might have appointed the court that produced the first substantive challenge to Roe in 50 years. The Abraham Accords, moving mm-hmm. the embassy to Jerusalem, so many things that he did was good. That's why we cheered him on. Mm-hmm. But when he does something like back in an Elise Stefanik, who does not represent anything about who we are, mm-hmm. well, then we have to say, you know, well, thanks for the suggestion, but no, that's where you need leadership. And quite frankly, when you look to 2022 and 2024, we're looking for leaders that actually want to conserve something so we can get more leadership that's going to be represented like now with SCOTUS taking on this case. I, I had a thought in the shower this morning, and you know, you like, I know you like when I get those. <laughs> the thought I had in the shower this morning is the Republican Party right now in the position that the Democratic Party was immediately after the counterculture was ascendant. Um, that there's clearly... Clearly, the conservative populism, anti-corporate Republicanism, that ain't going away. That, that, that is here to stay. Yep. And it wasn't, it's not so much that it's Trumpism as much as Trump was the first to, re, to galvanize that as a successful coalition. But that coalition is permanent. The difference, just as the counterculture was permanent in the Democratic Party, and we're still dealing with it to this very day, the difference was, though, that that was a democratized movement of people across the country that infiltrated the Democratic Party. And it took them years to get to the point they could get somebody nominated to president. They actually really didn't until, I would argue, Michael Dukakis in 1988 was the first Mm -hmm. real counter. Well, you had had McGovern. I forgot about him. You had the disaster of McGovern, and then it took them until 1988 before they could get somebody else that was a before clear, you got the disaster of Dukakis yes yeah, which was another disaster <laughs> right and and the difference here is this started at the top meaning Trump galvanized this coalition to capture the presidency and so th- now we're figuring out who are the leaders whether Trump runs again in 2024 regardless father time ain't moving he's mm-hmm. pushing 80 years old guys this is he's not a 10-year fixture here that's not happening so we're trying to figure out 
what is this new uh, new thing in the Republican Party absent Trump's leadership? Who are the actual people that will then take this on beyond him? Because that beyond him is coming, whether it's 2024 or a few years after that, given his age. Because you're right. If it's just about a person and persona, this is very short term. However, what gives me encouragement, several donors, several activists, many people are based, many people who, I mean, they would crawl over broken glass for President Trump. Mm -hmm. They were talking to me and calling me about this decision with Stefani because they saw it as completely two different Trumps. Mm -hmm. The Trump that they saw as President of the United States, and I was saying, why in the world was he back in a person That's, like that Stefani? That speaks well to the future of how this can grow then. Because if that happens, personality like they're, they're now surrounding yeah. convictions. And that should also be a message, though, to President Trump. Because he's very transactional. He, I, I've said this on this show that his entire presidency. You, you get things from Trump through shows of strength. He respects strength because he's very transactional. Just slobber all over him and give him anything he wants, whenever he wants. You'll get nothing from him. So that. the people he doesn't respect right now, I guarantee you, are McCarthy and Scalise. Yes, because he knows he can roll them now. However, yeah. had McCarthy and Scalise stood up to him and said, hey, we're all, we're all about getting rid of Liz Cheney, but we're not putting her in, mm-hmm. and we're going to find one of our own to put in, somebody who really— all of a sudden, they would have rose in stature with us conservatives, mm-hmm. McCarthy and Scalise would have, and they would have rose in stature with Trump. I agree. But instead, they got rolled, yep. and now they just, I mean, there's no sense for them to look at 2024 if you're McCarthy or Scalise, which I don't think they were anyhow. All right, with with the breaking news with the Supreme Court decision day, we didn't have time to get into the other matter we were going to address, which is Christy Noem is coming to your Family Leadership Summit, which is in July. It's July 16. Uh, go to thefamilyleader.com. There's a lot of information on it there. Uh, you won't want to miss it. It's always a great leadership summit, and Christy Noem is one. We've got more to announce as well. Well, I mean, the, the governor of South Dakota is coming to Iowa in July. There's only one reason you do that, okay? So in the future, I want us to discuss where she is at from a presidential candidate standpoint, because I think especially with her, I mean, her ties to Corey Lewandowski and several key figures in Trump's world prior to the tran issue issue with her, I think she was uniquely poised to sort of capitalize on being who were going to be the people after Father Time finally caught up with Donald J. Trump. No, I'm not so sure about that, but we, we'll discuss that at a future date. Good to see you, brother. Appreciate it. Good to see you. God bless. You bet. You guys have any quick thoughts on the conversation that Bob and I just had before we switch gears and do Ask Me Anything next hour? Well, Stefanik, the best case scenario is that somehow they think she's some placeholder there that gives Trump a sense of, uh, we acknowledge the people you cared about without listening to a damn word she ever says. Um, I'm not wishing, I don't think that's necessarily 50-50 odds or anything that, but that's the best we can hope for there. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I I honestly have not been following this because I think a lot of people are just fed up with the, the drama. But I, I would say this is just par for the course with how things are run in, in the Republican Party in Washington, D.C. I do think it is interesting, though, like what Bob pointed out, that they didn't want to delay the vote any any mm-hmm. further. I think that's, that's a good sign, uh, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. It is good for them to fear their base. It is good for governments to fear their citizens, particularly when they're armed. Those are good things. Hour two is next. (laughs) 
in. We are back with Hour 2 live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and then there's all of you. Let us know who you are by letting us know what you think about what we think. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Parlor, maybe one day if it ever returns, and Gab. You can also look for clips of the program at youtube.com slash stevedace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. All right. Um, coming up. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Podcast listeners, thank you. If you've already done this, hit that subscribe button. Left us a five-star review if you like us. If you don't, don't lie. But if you do like us, hit that five-star review. If you have not done those things for us, please do such a thing. I'm told it is helpful. I'm not really sure how, but I do know it boosts our fragile male egos. And at our age, we need all the help on that front that we can get. All right. So thank you very much. We appreciate all of you that listen to the podcast version as well. All right. It is time for our Monday town hall. Ask me anything. Facebook, since Facebook is letting our show grow again, and it is still the largest social media following we have, because um, I'm guessing we've got at least five times more people than Facebook is counting, um, then we'll let you guys keep setting the agenda here with the Ask Me Anything brought to you by Home Title Lock. You know, we've been warning you about home title theft where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title so they can become the new owner. Um, and you get Home Title Lock because, well, it could be coming to you. Well, if you're on that aforementioned Facebook, that big breach is here. Facebook recently had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. Uh, that means, according to the FBI, they now have what it takes to execute um, home title theft against you. Name, address, personal information, what it would take to log in to where your home's title is kept as you. Then while they're there, they forge your signature on a quick claim deed stating you've sold your home to them. They take out all the equity. They leave you with the debt Maybe even foreclosure and eviction. Don't let that happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach when you use the promo code RADIO. Promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. So the way this works is, Todd, you select the questions. Did we get a lot of questions this time? Yes, more than 350. Wow, that's a lot. All right, so... What is going on? That's, that's, a, that's a cool number. Very cool. All right, so Todd, you select the questions. I've not seen them. I don't read any of the comments. After I make the invite on Facebook, I don't look at it at all. I like everything off the top of my head, okay? So you select the questions. You feed them to Aaron. Was there a theme or something this week? Or are they just random? There's, the only theme is that uh, you will never answer close to the amount I offer up. <laughs> That's the theme. Fair enough. All right, Aaron, go ahead. We'll start with uh, Richard M. Cabra, who says, Why on earth should I believe anything, anything that the government tells me? Because right now, I can't. You should not believe anything anybody tells you that you cannot reasonably verify on your own. That includes us, by the way. Anything? What does anything mean? Anything. Anything. In yes. the Greek, yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, what about in the original Hebrew? Uh, also. No? Yes, okay. Uh, so now there are sources that maybe have earned your benefit of the doubt, right? Right? I hope we have. Trust, but verify. But verify, indeed. Nevertheless, you should not internalize. Internalize as a belief 
right now anything from a news source in our country or an information source that you cannot independently verify. The reason we were so far ahead of the curve on COVID data is we were able to independently verify assumptions with data from around the world. And thankfully we had a control group in Sweden. And then about this time last year, we started getting control groups with states. Iowa, Georgia, Wisconsin were among the first. Then we got, then we got Florida and a few others, okay? So we were able to independently verify assumptions. If, if, if we had gotten data that had showed those contrarian, hey, we liked what John Ioannidis at Stanford was saying more than Anthony Fauci, right? Yes. Wouldn't you rather live in the country that John Ioannidis wanted us to live in than yes. Anthony Fauci? Sure. But if we got the data back from the control groups and the data was like, uh, we can't do that, we'd have done a different show for the last year. We would have. We would have. But that's not the data we got back, was it? No. No. And so... I would be very, I'm very hesitant and I work in this business. If That's also why there's just some topics I don't talk about. I don't address on social media. I don't get into. If it's not something I think I can independently verify, my, which because my credibility is on the line all the time, but, but frankly, every time nowadays we speak into these mics, we put the, the credibility of everybody on this Blaze platform. We put their platform at stake too. Uh, I go back to last year when I cited the New York Times report on PCR testing, which, by the way, Sweden has verified. They've, they've all been eliminated in their country because they don't trust it. Um, but when I cited that on the show, posted about it on Facebook, that was the, that was the, that I got a strike from Facebook for that. And when I talked after, the day after the election on Glenn Beck's program, that my fear was those who continue to take a voice away from the people, particularly the people who own the guns, are going to cause us to have a civil war. I, I'm not advocating one. I'm not really fans of civil wars myself. Um, but by just even saying that, the entire Blaze platform got demonetized for a period of time because of me. And that's just not us. That could, hap that could happen to us because of what Steven Crowder says or Mark Levin says. This is the world that we live in. And so I'm not just responsible anymore for my own opinions. I'm, I'm, I take on the, 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 I get protected as a host by being associated with the blaze. Meaning if I was independent, it'd be a lot easier for them to crush me. I wouldn't have a social media team that has the full volume of traffic the blaze can bring to bear on a social media platform to be lobbying for me all the time, right? Yeah. And so, but the trade-off for that, and I appreciate it, but the trade-off for that is I also therefore am assuming I have to take on my responsibility applies to everybody else that I work with too. And so I just can't operate uh, in a venue and where I can't, I, I just, I'm not going to comment on things if I can't independently verify them. And I think that that's just the way all of us to some degree have to roll now, given how untrustworthy everything is on an institutional level. Up next, we go to Sean Wynn. Hey, Steve, right now my wife and I are fighting our son's college's mandate on getting the COVID shot. We have several parents involved with this also. Do you have any suggestions on how to fight the college? It seems this is happening all over the country. We live in the commie state of New York. Apparently, New York is trying to pass bills not allowing religious or philosophical exemptions, as well as a law where places must report to the health department all those who have been given the jab. Any and all advice is welcomed. All right. You said any and all advice, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, consider moving needs to be on the table. It just does. Okay. And um, didn't Jesus tell his own followers when you see the abomination of desolation, stay there and fight it out? Is that what he told them to do? No. No. Flee. Run. Run. Okay. Um, we have had diasporas or diasporas, depending on how you want to pronounce it. We've had them for two reasons in the history of the faith, the covenant faith. One of them is they're empirically, imperially, I should say. They are imperially imposed by divine decree, which is an instrument of divine judgment, right? Um, the other is um, survival. Got to get the H-E double hockey sticks out of here. I mean, the, the, the pilgrims, they weren't up against the Moors. They were up against their own neighbors. Their own neighbors said you couldn't worship and live like this. They were fleeing their own Protestant church. They were fleeing their own Protestant church when they got on the Mayflower and risked their lives where half of them died on that rickety boat crossing the Atlantic or the English Channel, I should say. So, yeah, no, I had it right the first time, the Atlantic. So right away, relocation needs to be on the docket. If you are not willing to go there and ultimately vote with your feet, your chances of success go lower. I didn't say they're gone, but they go lower because that's the ultimate leverage you have against the system, barring civil war. The ultimate leverage is I'm just taking my productivity and my tax dollars and going to a place worthy of them, like treat a state like any other business. Right. If a, if a business kept screwing you over, I mean, pre COVID, I saying, I saying Mike DeWine likes sonnets to Costco on this show. Did I not? <laughs> Did I not? My favorite place on earth. Oh, it's, it's as Americana as it gets. Of course. A bunch of stuff you don't need, but it's all in bulk. So buy it anyway. That's, I'm a damned, I'm not, I'm a damned ugly American. I mean, that's Costco was the place. I mean, and then you could do the whole, uh, what's it called? The senior citizen buffet where you just do all the samples, right? That's just, that's America for me. Was I singing their praises this last year? Yeah, I even stopped going. I even stopped going. So it ha- if we're not willing, that's, we would like to avoid capital punishment. That's civil war, okay? But we're totally okay for corporal punishment. We're all in on that. And may it be lethal and swift. And the way that we conduct corporal punishment in this arena is 5,000. See, on the flip side, we're living in Florida now. And, and you know, DeSantis stand. We're going there. Going to Iowa. Going to Georgia. It, you're, you have to be willing to do that on some level. Have to be willing to. We're not going to that university if they're going to impose that on us. We have to be willing to do that. Now, now, that's number one. Number two, the forecast needs to be pain. Meaning the cost of imposing this on you is higher than the cost of not doing so. There's only two ways you get people to agree with you. You're just really good at persuasion, and some people naturally are, or the Holy Spirit's good at helping you with your persuasion. The other, which we need east of Eden in a fallen creation, we need to be willing to use more often, good old-fashioned leverage. The cost of doing this is higher than the cost of not doing it. 
meaning a group of parents were not going and we're going to raise a stink and we're going to sue. I need to, you didn't tell me, is it a public or a private university? If it's a public university, you actually have, and I'm, I'm beginning to contemplate, I've mentioned this just in passing a couple of weeks ago, I think, I'm beginning to contemplate we're better off against big government than big business. I, I just, 2017, Steve Dace would have just, you know, uh, cut himself for even suggesting it in his mind for 10 seconds, let alone saying it out, out, you know, orally into my mic. But I just, to me, we have more, le- look, look at what's just went on this weekend. And then notice that leveraging against big government then got a bunch of these big corporations to drop their mask mandates and everything else, right? right. I, I'm, I'm not there yet. And part of it's my own pride. I just, I don't want to believe that the private sector is this far gone, that this is, might be true, but I'm, I'm entertaining the notion that I might be better off fighting for my freedom in Sweden with that sort of a mindset I'm, I'm saying that I am against, well, corporations can just study or whatever they want because they're private entities. You know what I'm saying? It's that Babylon Bee headline, man who gets, uh, who got beaten to death um, uh, at a Walmart or something won't sue because corporations can do to him whatever he right. wants. Um, if it's a public university, there's at least going to be some people in your legislature outside of New York City. A lot of other legislative districts are people that agree more like with you. So you you have some ability publicly to apply some level of pressure. And so I would I'd be I'd be looking at what relationships do I have publicly to do so. Our friend Shannon Joy, who lives in upstate New York, has a, probably a lot of uh, tips and uh, for you on that that can help. This is a fight that she's engaged in daily. But ultimately, you only have really two pieces of leverage. Um, one, the threat of, then we're just out of here. We'll go somewhere else where we're free. Or two, um, we'll make the pain for doing this to us worse than the pain for not doing it. Um, so you really have to start with those two vantage points. Don't start with the methods Start with your leverage, and then the methods will just kind of emerge once you understand where your leverage points really are. Next up, we have Chrissy Brewer Ringo, theological in nature. Sarah and Rebecca pushed and manipulated to get God's promise. Tamar also used deception and took matters into her own hands to have a child by pretending to be a a prostitute. Yet Judah said she was more righteous than he, and there's no reprimand recorded in the Bible directed toward her. None of the three waited long enough, for all three did years of waiting for God's timing of his promise, but Tamar is the one without reprimand to wait or push. That is the question. So leave that up there because I want to go through these examples, okay? Um, the Tamar one, I think, is is uh, is the one I w- really want to touch on. Okay, so in ancient Israel, um, under the Mosaic Law, you had what was known as the kinsman redeemer, and and this was their social safety net. All right, so um, a, often a woman, if she was left to her own devices, there was only a, a few ways that she could earn a living on her own in ancient society, and one of them was obviously a, 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 a difficult uh, road. We don't p- want people to go down known as prostitution. That's why it's called the world's oldest profession, right? Okay. So in the case of, of Tamar and Judah, okay, um, the, you know, Judah said she was more righteous than me. And he was right to say that. Why? Because he didn't want to live up to that law. 
And that's why she basically posed as a, if I remember the story right, she poses as a prostitute, mm-hmm. right? On on a known um, place in the community where prostitutes are uh, proliferate. Judah goes there uh, to get to get his freak on and ends up impregnating her in this process. This was her in way to entrap him to follow the law, which, by the way, Judah, that name ring a bell, sound familiar, kind of an important name, right? He's a namesake of one of the original 12 tribes of Israel. So yeah, it's it's it, one of the most important tribes, actually, in Israel. So it's very, very important, uh, that name. Look at the motivations here. Tamar's motivation is what? For, for righteousness to be fulfilled. Is she entitled to get from Judah by the law of God what has been denied her? Is she entitled to do that? Or is she entitled to have that, I should say? Is she entitled to have that? Does she have a claim on Judah, a legitimate claim under the law of God, under the law of Moses? Yes, she does. Is Judah fulfilling that commitment? Nope. So what is her motivation? Was her motivation to split up Judah's marriage? No. Was her motivation to engulf him in scandal and then um, blackmail him later? Was that her motivation? No. What was her motivation? For him to live up to uh, his divine role, divinely ordained role that Moses called him to. One of the things we've talked about before on this show, conservatives or, or liberals love to be judged by their intentions. Well, I mean, I did this disastrous thing, but my intentions were good, so don't judge me for the terrible results. Conservatives love to be just judged by results. Well, I made the trains run on time, needlessly alienated and offended people, so it's okay. I don't know. I kind of wish Donald Trump had... Now, I I don't believe that he lost the election legitimately. I'm pretty on record about that. I'm not changing. I've seen nothing to change my mind. That being said, would it have been harder for them to steal it from him if he would have alienated and offended less people? Right. Yeah. You see my point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So can we all agree that right about now, right about now, given what's going on in the country, do we wish Donald Trump had alienated and offended a few, few, at least a few less people? Yes. Is that a fair thing? Yes. Okay. But did he make the trains run on time? Hell yeah. He was really good at that. Okay. But here's the way the kingdom of God works. It doesn't work on your intentions, nor does it work on your results, which you can do with your own hands. I remember the first time I was, I was not a Christian yet, visiting the church we would, that we would ultimately join as our first church and get baptized in. And I remember I'm, I'm walking in there, man, as just a hardcore right-wing Republican. And f- like the first sermon I ever heard, the pastor said that the Lord helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible. I mean, I was, I about stood up like Amy, like, sit down, you know, what are you doing? I mean, I was like, we're getting out of here. Okay. Actually, it's like from Poor Richard's Almanac. It's a Benjamin Franklin line. It's really not in the Bible. Actually, the Bible says to die to self, lose to gain, share one another's burdens. Kind of a message totally contrary to that to some extent. Right. Okay. Um, so T- Tamar's motivations here ultimately are for the law of Moses or the law of God to be fulfilled. 
if if Judah was performing his divinely ordained role as kinsman redeemer, would Tamar be prostituting herself to him? No. No. So then what, what is Tamar to be reprimanded for? Is, is, T, is Tamar the weaker vessel? Yes. In ancient society, is she the inferior citizen? Yes. Right? Yes. Therefore, did she, it, did, did, how many paths does Tamar, could she take Judah to court? No. No. In ancient society, she is the inferior citizen. She is physically the weaker vessel. She cannot overcome him. Doesn't have too many options, really, to make her point, does she? That should be self-evident, yes. Yeah, so who, why does she even have to make the point? Who's not doing his job? Him. Him. Who is deserving, therefore, of the reprimand? Him. Him. To whom much is given, much is required. All of the... All, he's, he's been given a lot more than, her, than she has been, right? Yeah. He is the name of a 12 tribe of, of, of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's a descendant of Joseph. He is male. He's been given more than her. He was Adam in the garden. He didn't show up. That's right. So what is what is it for her to be reprimanded for? The reprimand didn't belong to her. So the question about that you bring up, Chrissy, about whether to wait or to push, I think that's a great question. The answer, I think, is in our motivation sometimes. Now, hey, I think prayerfully, God can definitely let us know when we get really stirred up, hey, I got to do something about this right now. The way I kind of roll in my life is if I'm not, you guys have heard me say this before privately a lot. I say this in my house all the time. If you're not sure, what do I always say next? The answer is no, right? I say, now, that is that it? Am I God? Is that always true? No. No, but in general, has it served me well to not do things I'm sure about? Yes. Have I maybe missed some opportunities by not doing things I was unsure about? Sure. Probably missed some um, dumbassery too, I would <laughs> imagine, by not doing that. <laughs> okay. So I, we, you can feel a nudge. You can feel conviction. I, I've told the story before. The morning I got up last March, and I just knew God was calling me to step out and challenge COVID stand head on. But my everything on the line and so did i do that yes yeah but i knew it i just i've never had that level of certainty about like anything in my life ever i just knew like i was on earth for this that's why i was here i was born to a 15 year old mom to be here on this platform at this time so go all in you have that level of certainty act you have that level of uncertainty i would not but then i but, but before i did either one of those things though like my motivation and not acting on things unless I'm certain is to avoid to avoid losing my race I mean I mean I should clarify that because of the way the word race gets thrown around today the race that that God has set before each of us to not be disqualified for my race that's why I'm I'm trying to mitigate against my own nature by doing that because my nature is to actually risk things all the time I still risk things quite a bit okay so I do that as a check on my, my motivation is to rein in my own rebellious spirit from not doing reckless things. What's your motivation on, when, what you're, on whether you're waiting or you're pushing? Is your motivate, you know, I'm waiting, if I'm a guy, I'm waiting to ask that woman out. You know, I'm waiting for God to give me a clear sign to take initiative. Are, 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 are you doing that? Or are you just a wuss? You know what I'm saying? All right. Okay. So what's your motivations? What's the, what's the motivation for why you're waiting and the motivation for why you're pushing? 
I I check those things more than I would check the method of waiting or pushing itself. Did you guys want to add anything to that? No, that was comprehensive. Okay, All right. very good. That's Todd's nice way of saying you you, you took too long to answer that. <laughs> uh, Gina Patron Kelly says, "Are there any other people behind the scenes? We love you, Todd and Aaron. But is there a secretary, a board op, a janitor, anyone else employed by Steve Dace Incorporated that we should also love?" That is very kind, but nope, nope. I have a team uh, that's private with me, um, that a team of investors that help me get uh, launched outside of Iowa that now serve as kind of my board of elders to make sure I don't completely go off the reservation. But they do that. They're not, these guys are all far wealthier than any of us are. Um, they do that to be guides. In terms of employees, we're the Thompson twins. There's just like them, but there's three of us. So there you go. Yep. Next up, we have Scott Adney. Can you talk about the Yankees coaching staff testing positive for COVID after being fully vaccinated? <laughs> Are vaccines failing tested, uh, testing flawed? And if they test positive, can they still spread virus? And if so, why did CDC lift mask requirements for vaccinated people? If I may, yes, 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 and yes. It's uh, you know, I'm not the anti-vaxxer here, but those are all my answers to this question too, because I just follow data. That's all. I just follow data. That's all I do. And I don't know if you guys heard, some of you may have heard me say this in the opening hour of the show. I mean, Slohan was out there saying, I got some dead hands. Eric Clapton, did he say he lost feeling or had numbness or yeah. something in his hands for days or weeks, right? Right. After taking the AstraZeneca, uh, is it Zeneca or Zeneca? Zeneca, AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. That's the one from Oxford in the UK. Um, Chelsea Handler's on her Twitter feed this morning lamenting that after getting her second Moderna shot, she is deaf in one ear. We don't know what the cause of death was still for Hank Aaron. We just know that he died shortly after getting fully vaccinated for COVID in January. Now, because I follow data, let me say unequivocally, the risk of death or incident, even if you take all of the incidents on the VAERS website as fact, the rate, the, the risk of death or incident, just as a standalone product, the odds that you will have something v worthy of reporting to VAERS if you get one of the COVID vaccinations is very, very low. It's very low, okay? The issue though with that calculation is it's, it, it, it's, you know, it's only one side of the equation, right? We're not trying to figure out what the, what the numerical value of two is. We're trying to figure out what happens if we add two plus two. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so there's that means there's an equation. That means there's there's two constants on each side of the equation. Okay. So here is the first constant. As a standalone, everybody who tells you the odds are remote when you look at all the data worldwide, not just in our country. I've looked at it. The odds are remote that you're going to end up on the VAERS website making an incident report if you get fully vaccinated for COVID. The odds are remote, okay? That's true. That's true. But, again, we're not trying to find out what the numerical value of two is. We're trying to figure out what if, if, if two plus two equals four. So we have to look at the other side of the equation. The other side of the equation you then have to weigh is the fact that there, you're still 28 more times more likely to report an incident for a COVID vaccination than you are for flu vaccine, or maybe it's actually a death even. So then you start looking at, okay, do I want to risk 
this given what my risk pool for the virus is. And the vast majority of Americans, or I shouldn't say vast, a majority of Americans have decided the answer to that is no. That's the decision that I have made. It's not worth it. Now, because I do believe the virus was at the very least being engineered or worked on in a lab, if not just synthetically created, I also have to take that point to its most logical conclusion, which means I am—I do believe there is a possibility. Now, since I'm not a scientist, I don't know what it is. But if I'm starting with that logical assumption, I have to follow it, right? That does leave forward the possibility that it could mutate into something that that is outside of the scope of the data set that we have for it right now, right? Yep. I have to accept that. I can't have one without the other, then I'm guilty of what I can criticize, we criticize sure. our uh, opponents for. If we're going to agree that this thing was lab, lab leaked, lab orchestrated, lab engineered, spent some time being synthetically worked on or modified in a lab, then we have to then acknowledge at some point that it may move, it may mutate into something that is beyond our current data set. That's why I've never eliminated taking the vaccine. But for the vast majority of people, the risk for COVID is higher than the risks you will assume taking the vaccination, especially because you can't sue Big Pharma. And since these aren't FDA approved, you don't really have a lot to go after government for either if something were to happen to you. Guess what I just had during the break? You know, Bilt Bar. And yeah, I kind of went overboard. Um, you know, I do that sometimes. I, I went overboard with the cookie dough flavor. I've still got boxes of that in my fridge at home. And then when they brought back the uh, the, the uh, coconut brownie chunk, I, I went a little overboard where that's concerned too. So let's just say I'm going to have enough cookie dough and coconut brownie chunk uh, Bilt Bars to last me until... Uh, they bring them back again because they're just that good. It's the best protein bar you've ever had. And it's the healthiest candy bar you've ever tried. It's not officially a candy bar, but it sure as heck tastes like one. All right. And it fits into any healthy lifestyle you want to live. Low carb, low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and fiber, whatever you're looking for. I mean, even the even what they call their decadent flavors, like coconut brownie chunk, you're still talking about seven net carbs, seven grams of sugar, 180 calories. That is it. I don't know that you're going to find many things on this earth that fit that health profile, that taste that good if you have a sweet tooth. So here's your shot to finally give it a shot. Um, whether it's the first time or... You're like one of those people emailing me. All right, we ordered these. We were skeptical. My hubby or the wifey uh, ate them all. So I got to get a new order on my own. Whichever case may be for you. All flavors, all covered in real chocolate. All right, get it right now. 15% off either your first order if you've never tried it before or your next one if you're smart and want to try it again. BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T. BuiltBar.com, use my name, last name, Dace, D-E-A-C-E, as your promo code to get that 15% off, promo code Dace, at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's get back to our Monday Ask Me Anything Town Hall. Questions this week from Facebook. We'll go next to Kate Nelson. Why, after being the recipient of several pointed looks at the grocery store, do I have the sinking feeling that nothing is going back to normal? I think COVID exposed the true rot and division in America 
and there is no reburying this. I am honestly scared about what's next. So leave that up there for me for just a second for Kate. Kate, let me say, um, I do not believe that COVID exposed the true rot and division in America. I don't. I think COVID is the result of it. COVID is a harvest. What happened here with COVID, we always had this power to make this all go away. How many, how many days did I say on this show for the last year, this will not go away until what? We make it go we away. We make it go away. We always had this power. I, I just think it took a lot of us seeing the how far the other side of this divide is willing to go in stupidity, in subservience, in serfdom, and then how far they're willing to go to impose that on you, too. It's not just, hey, I want to be a slave. It's, no, you've got to be one with me. Look at the vaccination arguments. The clip that Aaron played of that, that, that even morbid obesity. I've been morbidly obese. I know what it looks like. That woman, that woman's like 800 pounds. She's like, you know, my 800 pound life. But that teacher berating him, the student. I don't care that you've been vaccinated. I don't want to get it. If he's been vaccinated, how's the vaccine supposed to work? You, you, after you're vaccinated, you give the virus to people. That's how it works. Welcome to my last 20 years. Yes, yeah. How many more times do I have to make this point? Todd is an anti-vaxxing nut. I am just, and I say that as a term of endearment, and he likes that. Uh, I am just somebody that just doesn't trust big pharma because I just don't trust institutionalized Overton windows. But I'm not anti-vax. I'm just anti-big pharma. So show me the data that your vaccine works. Yeah, I'll consider it. But I won't just take your word for it. Okay. Yet, how many years have you worked here, Todd? Seven, I believe now. Yeah, yeah, seven years. How many sick days have I taken in the seven years you've lived here? Or, or worked here? Maybe it feels like you live here. But it's, how many How many days? It's it's not very many. Very, very small number. Has it even been like more than three or four in seven oh, no. years? Yeah. The same applies to me, and yeah. I believe the same applies to Aaron. Yeah. And how many of those days have I sat next to you here? All of them. Pretty much all of them, yeah. And how many vaccinations have you had since I have, since we were kids? But the rest of yeah. my family, yeah, that's different. Yeah, zero. Weird. And yet, I've had how many sick days? Un poco. And we we opened the show talking about the fact I'm I'm so much healthier than I used to be, but I'm still like a good forty pounds overweight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird. Do you know why I'm not worried about you being unvaccinated or not as vaccinated as me, or your kids not being vaccinated? You, you, can you guess maybe why I'm not worried about it? Because you're vaccinated. Yeah. Can you guess why I wasn't concerned about going down and touching a bunch of Haitian kids that bathe in water that we wouldn't drink for a year, right? And then I came back home and hugged and kissed my own kids. Do you know why I wasn't worried about that? Vaccinated. Yeah. Funny how that works. That's the two plus two equals four of all this. Exactly. Right. So I don't think, Kate, that it exposed anything. It may have, let me be fair. To those of you that don't work full time in this business like we do, and so we're surrounded and, and engulfed over with it all the time, to you guys, this may have been a new revelation to you, to see like your own family members. But we already saw this whole thing over gay marriage and everything else. This is, this is the spirit of the age has created this. COVID is the harvest of this. It's not an outlier. It's the result. And I'm actually buoyant. I'm excited. 
the level of pushback that we have generated is still nowhere near where it needs to be. But look how even just what we have produced made this house of cards collapse in the last 72 hours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I actually think we're waking up. We're kind of getting, shall I say, woke to what we're truly up against and therefore what it will truly take to do something about it. So you might be scared. I was, I'd have told you about a year or so ago or even after the election, my fear of civil war was going up higher. I'm less afraid of it now than I have been in a long time. Why? Because I see more evidence that we're willing to, to engage in the sort of civil disobedience now that will help us to avoid a civil war later. So maybe I'm just on a steeper learning curve because I just do this full time. It is my job. A lot of you that watch and listen, you have jobs and then do this for an hour or two a day and go back to the rest of your life. This is our lives. So our clock is just accelerated all the time. But from where, I don't know, you, you, you two think from my vantage point, I'm actually more encouraged than I was at this time last year. Well, by scared, I hear she's uncomfortable, and that's good. As I know, as I've, you know, I often say, one of our biggest problems is way too much comfort. Yeah. You need to be out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And hopefully that pushes you to a level of action that if you do that, I also promised you it's game over in our favor. Agreed, because we we still have the numbers. We're, I did, did I say we were in the majority? No. The majority of most Americans don't want to get involved in this fight at all and will tend to go with the side they think has the That's leverage. That's true. Okay? But in terms of our side versus the spirit of the age, there's far more of us than there are people truly devoted to the spirit of the age. If we exert that leverage... Then we get all the, the majority of the Americans that are kind of in the middle are like, dude, I hate wearing these bleeping masks too. So whether they work or not, I'm just tired of wearing it. Yeah. Meaning they'll go along with us for the wrong reasons, yeah. but we'll, they'll still go along with us. Interesting question next from Rick Del Piercio. I have a theological question. If, in fact, UFO alien life exists, do you believe that there is a salvation story similar to that of Earth? Does the existence of alien life warrant a different take on religion, specifically Christianity? So, I, I think you are a clear, absolutely it does, unequivocally, right? Oh, this changes some things. You think it does. I, I don't think it changes anything, actually. Um, but I understand why people have the vantage point that, they, that, that it does. Um, probably some of this comes down to how much... Of, of, of a cosmology you apply to your religious perspective um, from the, the way the, the, how my theology has been informed is that the earth is unique humanity on this planet is unique but that doesn't necessarily speak to the universe as a whole. Um, I think there's questions. If it were to happen, we'd have to have some questions. First of all, given where we're at right now, if there was an alien landing later today, 
would we all be 100% sure that it wasn't a hoax or staged? No. Of course not. So there's that factor, right? Yeah, we just answered that question. Like, you know, we, if you like, can't verify it with your own yeah. two eyes, basically. How would we verify it with its own two eyes? Well, yeah. like on the 60 Minutes report last night, we've got members of the military saying, hey, I'm personally witnessing these craft perform without obvious propulsion, perform acts in zero G or high gravity or, or dense gravity environments that we can't do with any technology that we have. Like we'd have to see this like with our own eyes. I, I'm sorry. I hate to say this, but I'd, I'd be a plebe. I'd be a doofus. I'd be a moron. If the visitors just showed up on the Today Show tomorrow and were being by the same people that lied to me all year about COVID, that lie to me every day about gender, that lie to me every day about a border, that lie to me every day about everything, and I just took their word for granted that these people were actually extraterrestrials. I'm going to need a little bit more than that, number you, one. You've seen Spider-Man 2, Far From Home. You know what Mysterio did. <laughs> well said, yes. So that's, that's, that's I think we got to start there before we even entertain the rest of this. If this was verifiable, then we have questions about, is it dimensional? I, I just think this thing requires a lot more nuance in my viewpoint which is why I don't make a lot of definitive statements about it because if I think it requires a lot of nuance then I'm not comfortable making definitive statements because ultimately it doesn't change it doesn't change at all all right let me just put it this way since I'm going to go there Paul stakes the credibility and efficacy of Christianity ultimately on what? On what? Ultimately. The whole thing is, is based on what? And what? Jesus rising out of yep, the tomb? Th that's it. Everything. Okay. If indeed there is intelligent life found on a planet a million light years from here, does it change whether or not Yeshua of Nazareth was dead, 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 dead? tortured to near death and then choked out and asphyxiated to death no. on a tree. And then on the third day, no. the stone rolled away and he walked out of there alive. Does it change that? No. No. So therefore, does it fundamentally change Christianity? No. No. Could it change the extent of some of some revelations that we take for granted today? Well, did it take did when when Copernicus and Galileo emerged? Did that change some realizations or challenge them? Well, we know that it did, right? Yes. Okay. But did it change the fundamental truth of whether whether the earth revolves around the sun or the sun around no. the earth? Did that change whether Jesus rose again or not? No. And see, that's, that's why I don't believe it fundamentally changes anything. It may, it may philosophically change a couple of things. It may experientially change a couple of things, but it doesn't change whether or not Yeshua as Nazareth was once dead and then is now very much alive. No, the, it, what it, in my position, it, it, it likely drastically changes the ability to communicate that fundamental truth of the faith, because still to this day, the, the lack of understanding about what really happened between Galileo and the church I mean, people just, people that, oh, just a bunch of flat earthers over here. And then Gal Galileo found the truth and he told them and they were like, no way, we like our flat. That's not, it's just dumb. An, an entire 
cosmology had been built around a version of truth that science had sold and philosophy had sold. And the church was like, uh, and Galileo was kind of a tough dude, not a very nice guy, kind of a jackass. And he pushed this as hard as he could. And the church was like, we need a little time. Yeah. That's what happened. Okay. And so that's what, and now we're still having this debate. And that's my point. And this, that blows it up at least as much in terms of the level of confusion that it could create amongst the church. It doesn't have to be that way. I, I but I'm going to, I, I think I'll agree with you. That it doesn't make our argument easier. Nope. I'll agree with that, but I don't think it fundamentally changes. What's the core of our argument. By the way, I, I made a major theological faux pas earlier. I referred to J- uh, Judah as uh, one of the, uh, as a son of Joseph. No, he was a son of Jacob. All right. Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. So I just needed to correct that. Thank you. Let's see. We'll go to Mark Lindloff. Glenn thinks there is a war on fossil fuels and they're beginning to work on destroying the oil and gas industry. Do you think this is true? And what do you do uh, or what do you foresee to be their next move? Uh, It's absolutely true. One of the biggest benefactors of Imperial College who gave you the uh, the original COVID doomsday model. That suggested we essentially start living a proto version of the Green New Deal now in order, don't go anywhere, don't drive anywhere, don't get on a plane, don't have any events, uh, and be at home in agrarian. Um, one of the biggest benefactors of the university that gave us that model, and then those recommendations, uh, is a multi-billionaire who believes that it's, you know his mission in life is to end the fossil fuel bubble. So absolutely, yes. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes. But when I say they want to get rid of fossil fuels, keep in mind, they want to get rid of them for you and me, yeah. not for themselves. That's what that means. Yeah. John Kerry was uh, very adamant when he yes. was testifying in front of Congress last week. I'm flying home on uh, uh, on a public flight or, flight or whatever, on economy uh, flight, you know, yes. unlike the private jets he, you know, takes across the planet. That's it. All right. Did I get through as many less more than you thought I would? No. Have you at least taken realized I'm too long-winded, so start ranking them oh, in the order to make sure I get to the ones you the most want me to answer? It's not a matter of being long-winded. It, it simply means that I, I want everybody to understand you have a lot of great questions. We just are never going to get through close to all of the ones. But, you know, that's why we do one of these every week, yes, thereabouts, just to keep putting Absolutely. a dent in it. You bet. All right, we are going to stick around after this show and do overtime with our friend Julie Kelly at American Greatness, who is blowing up the narrative about the January 6th um, insurrection, allegedly. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you'll be able to watch that later on or subscribe. Uh, For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.